into it. I know you don't mind because that means the sooner we jump in, the sooner we jump out, right? Ezekiel 37, I said it because you were thinking it. Ezekiel 37, very familiar passage. Let's go here if we could. And when you find it, let's go ahead and stand together and honor the ring of God's word today. It's been an exciting week here on property, a lot going on with our, our Joy Club uh, tea for our girls on Wednesday night. Thanks so much, Ms. Rachel, for that. And just thought what a blessing it was seeing all of our kiddos and their moms out there. And, and then on Thursday, we had our ladies' tea. I think they had over 90 ladies there for that. And, and then our recital. So a lot of good things going on here around property. Uh, and then already this morning, had people trust Christ as their Savior, have baptisms right after the service. Just thankful to be a part of a church where God is working. And I I want to encourage you here today, let God do what he wants to in your life, all right? Don't look around and wonder what God's going to do in somebody else's life. Why don't you decide, I'm anxiously looking forward to what God wants to do in my life today. Ezekiel chapter 37, let's pick up in verse number one. The Bible says, the hand of the Lord was upon me and carried me out in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the midst of the valley, which was full of bones. And caused me to pass by them round about, and behold, there were very many in the open valley, and lo, they were very dry. And he said unto me, Son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, O Lord, thou knowest. Again he said unto me, Prophesy upon these bones, and say unto them, O ye dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord God unto these bones, Behold, I will cause breath to enter into you, and ye shall live. And I will lay sinews upon you, and will bring up flesh upon you, and cover you with skin, and put breath in you, and ye shall live, and ye shall know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I prophesied, there was a noise, and behold, shaking, and the bones came together, bone to his bone. And when I beheld, lo, the sinews and flesh came upon them, and the skin covered, above, uh, covered them above, but there was no breath in them. Then said he unto me, Prophesy unto the wind, prophesy, son of man, and say unto the wind, Thus saith the Lord God, Come from the four, corner, four winds of breath, and breathe upon these slain, that they may live." So I prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath came into them, and they lived and stood up upon their feet, an exceeding great army. Let's stop there and pray. Father God, thank you, Lord, for your word this morning, and Lord, just how the reading of it stirs our heart today, knowing, Father, this is the quick, living, and powerful very word of God. And I pray today that, Lord, as you have sent it to us and preserved it for, for us, that, Father, we would allow it to do the work which you have sent it to do today. If there's one here lost, today. Father, I pray they would see their need for salvation and as some have already today, trust you as Savior. And Father, for those that are saved, help us to be stirred by it today that we would be truly renewed by the desire of what you seek to do in our lives today for it's in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Ezekiel chapter 37 is a very familiar passage to many. Uh, if for no other reason, the song we learned when we were kids about dim bones. I think we could all probably sing that together, those dry bones. We've sung it a few times. Uh, but in short, those bones that we're reading about today really represented a defeated and dismantled and seemingly uh, done people, a nation, the nation of Israel that seemingly is over with. Uh, we have read all throughout the book of Ezekiel about how sin has brought the downfall and the demise of the people of God, and now Ezekiel has been sent to prophesy in the midst of their captivity. 
Now, there's something wonderful here that I want you to see, and we'll talk about it a little bit more at length here in a little while. As hopeless as a scene as it is here, God still loves them and is long-suffering enough toward them uh, to have the conversation with them about being restored. I don't know about you, but I'm so thankful today that so often in my life there were times where I felt down and out and hopeless and totally cast aside. And as these bones here felt like there was no hope for me, notice, if you will, in verse 2, the Bible gives us great description about what kind of bones these were. The Bible says, many of them, and lo, they were very dry. What does that mean? That means very hopeless, all right? There wasn't no blood on them. There was no muscle on them, no tendons, no ligaments on them. They were utterly and completely lifeless and hopeless, and yet the God of heaven is communicating, desiring to restore them. Now, folks, that doesn't bless your heart this morning. I don't know what will, because how often do we find ourselves hopeless? How often do we find ourselves seemingly cast aside and useless without a chance of being restored, and yet the loving, long-suffering God of heaven reaches down and does in our life what only he could do? Here comes Ezekiel to prophesy toward them, and J. Vernon McGee says this about the time in which he's prophesying. He stood at the bottom of the valley in the darkest corner. We look at this picture here. You're talking about a valley. It's a dark valley, and it's a very deep corner of the valley that they're in. And we can understand why Psalms 137 says this about these people. By the rivers of Babylon, there we sat down. Yea, we wept when we remembered Zion. We hanged our harps upon the willows in the midst thereof. For they that carried us away captive required of us a song. And they that wasted us required of us mirth, saying, Sing us one of the songs of Zion. Their response was, How shall we sing the Lord's song in a strange land? Very dark, very desolate, very helpless time. Morale is very low and the outlook is very grim. And yet in the midst of this desolation that is here... God begins revealing to the nation of Israel his plans to restore them. Now, folks, when we read this, we read the hope that God is giving them in captivity. Imagine being in such a dark situation, a hopeless situation, all right? You look at a pile of bones, all right? Even if there's a body laying there, maybe there's a hope that there's some life left in that body, right? But we're looking at a pile of bones, You look at a pile of bones, there's no hope left there, and yet God is revealing that in his all-powerful being that he is, that he is going to restore the nation back to who he desires they be. Now, folks, that's the same God we're serving today. He's telling them to be hopeful because the captivity is not going to last and that Israel is going to return as a nation. Now, this is something very important to us in the day and hour that we're living in. Because we were watching the very nation of Israel come home. 1917, England issued the Balfour Declaration, which sought to establish Israel as the national home for the Jewish. Just a few weeks, we will celebrate May 14th, 1948, with the United Nations officially recognized the state of Israel in which Harry Truman signed the deciding vote. Fast forward to 2020. Even in this pandemic, I have read articles, and I'll give you a quote out of one of them, that shows us that the population of Israel is soaring. All of the Jews from around the world are coming home. 
Not only would God lead them out of captivity and restore them, but that restoration continues even to this day. I read an article in one of the magazines uh, out of Jerusalem that said this, COVID-19 gave us an opportunity to slow down our lives and find out what is really important to us. This is a man by the name of Jay Brown. He lived in Los Angeles and moved his family back to Jerusalem, saying, after giving it some thought, we were ready to go home. And yet all over the world, the nation of Israel is being restored. God promised that it would be restored, and we're watching that take place. But Ezekiel 37 is obviously very specific. And obviously, we're speaking of the nation of Israel, and we're wondering, how does that apply to us? America is not Israel, all right? Don't make that mistake. America is not Israel. The church is not Israel either, all right? Let's not make that mistake. But there's something here for us. In Ezekiel chapter 37, there's a very timely example we're going to look at today of a very helpful God in the midst of a very hopeless world. All right, what we're reading here is a very hopeless situation, this valley of dry bones. I'm talking about hopeless, dark, and dreary. There is no chance of life returning again, and yet the very helpful God steps in in the midst of very hopeless times. That's the God we serve today. Now, why is that relevant to us? Well, no matter how dark the valley or how dry the bones, there's always hope when you serve the God of heaven. I believe this morning we're living in a time where it's very frightening and it's very uh, horrific circumstances we're living in as well. And we're wondering, is there any hope for us? I don't know if there's any hope for America, but I'll tell you this, there is hope for us if we're the people of God. Look, we serve the same God that restored Israel and is restoring Israel. And just as he restored them, he can restore us as well. I read a story about two frogs that snuck into a dairy plant one night and They wanted to sneak in and get them a drink of that wonderful cream that was on the top there of the milk that had been been siphoned. And uh, the two frogs jumped down and began swimming around, drinking all the cream that they could hold. And after a while, they got full, and they tried to climb out, and they realized that the sides were too slick, and there was no way out for them. One frog looked at the other guy, and he says, look, he says, it's hopeless. There's no way out of the mess that we're in. He took him one uh, last gulp and sank to the bottom and drowned. The other frog said to himself, he says, I've got too much to live for. I'm going to just keep kicking my feet and churning my feet as long as I can in the hopes that I might get out of here. And so he kicked his feet and he churned his feet and he kicked his feet and he churned his feet and slowly he churned the cream into butter. And a few minutes later, he walked out on dry land. Can I tell you something? I feel a lot about like that frog. I feel like I've got something worth kicking for. All right? Look, I know things look bad and things look dark and things look bleak and things look hopeless, but because the God of heaven is my God and the God that is restoring Israel, he's my God and he's no respecter of persons. And if he could do that for them, then he can do that for me. Now, I'm not saying he's going to restore America, but as the people of God, we've got something worth kicking for this morning. That's why David said in Psalms 23, yea, though I walk through the valley... He said, yea, though I walk through the valley, what is Ezekiel standing in? He's standing in a valley. And oftentimes the valley robs us of our courage. It robs us of our peace. And yet we see here that God visited this valley and God brought restoration. This morning, listen, I can't give you a guarantee that America will be restored. But I can assure you, based on the word and by the grace of God, you can be restored. 
I can't guarantee you this country will ever get back to what it used to be and that we'll be the, the great United States that we were in years past. I can't guarantee you that type of restoration. But by the word of God, the will of God, and through the grace of God, I can guarantee you, you could be restored this morning. Why? Because we serve a God who still visits the valleys. We serve a God who still visits the valleys. Folks, he visited the valley of dry bones and restored them. Now, I don't know what kind of valley you're in this morning, but I want you to know that I'm thankful to be able to report to you that we serve a God who still visits the valleys. And regardless of the valley that you're living in or going through this morning, there's restoration if the God of heaven is your God. And if he's not, he can be. So this morning, let's look at this topic, if we could. When God visits the valley, we're going to try to find renewal in the midst of our ruin. Now, let's look at verse number one, if we could. The Bible says, the hand of the Lord was upon me and carried me out, and the Spirit of the Lord will touch back there in just a few minutes, and set me down in the midst of the valley, which was full of bones, and caused me to pass by them round about. And behold, there were very many in the open valley, and lo, they were very dry. Now, God is showing us a very important detail, and in great detail, exactly what the situation was they were living in. Now, why is it important, important that we notice how serious the situation was? Well, it's very simple. If you can't get a clear progno or diagnosis, you're not going to get a clear prognosis, all right? You've got to be able to diagnose exactly what the problem is in order for you to get a good prognosis of how to fix what that problem is. Now, notice the situation is very desperate. I think we could probably call them beyond dead, all right? All right? There's a difference in being dead and being beyond dead, and I think they are beyond dead. But notice what was is no more. Everything has fallen apart. The bones, the Bible says, are scattered. They're falling apart, just stacks and stacks of bones that are there. So the first thing I want you to see this is I want you to see the destruction in the valley. It's important we go here, the destruction in the valley. Everything has fallen apart. Now, by trade, uh, I've, I've been a carpenter most of my life, and being a carpenter means I was in the business of construction. All right? Construction is where you take all the materials that are there and you put them together, you bring them together to build something. Okay? That is construction when you're putting things together. Destruction is when things are falling apart. All right? So as we look at this valley, the Bible says it's full of bones. And the Bible says that they are very dry. They are destructed. All right? They have fallen apart. Now, it's why is what we need to see this morning and what we need to understand. The reason the bones are there and they have been deconstructed and everything has fallen apart, understand this today, is because the thing that held them together is gone. All right? That's very important. What held that nation together, what brought that nation together, what constructed that nation is now gone, and that's why that nation is now destructed. This is very important for us to understand. Psalms 33, 12, the Bible says, Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. What does that mean? It means we are blessed and we are held together when God is the Lord, but in the absence of God being the only thing that holds us together, you know what things do? They fall apart. We see the nation has fallen apart. That's why Colossians 1.17, I love this verse. The Bible says, and he is before all things, and by him all things consist. What does that mean? That word consist is very important. By God, all things are held together. We used to sing the song when we were kids, maybe even while we're grown-ups. He's got the whole world in his hands. 
I still believe he does. Amen? He holds it all together. We're sitting on this, this ball of earth flinging through space. It's spinning thousands of miles an hour, and somehow we all manage to stay on top of it. It's got a molten core, and we're flying through outer space, and somehow it all balances out that the sun rises and sets with each new day that comes. Why? By him all things consist or are held together. Now understand this. We're looking at a valley of dry bones. The bones have all fallen apart. Why? Because the one thing that held them together is gone, and that was God. Now today we're looking at America. And I love my country, but our country is falling apart. We have folks up in Washington, I think some of them are trying their best to hold it all together. They're trying to figure out this program and this law and how we can pass this legislation to hold it all together. Can I tell you, it was never legislation that held America together. It was never a law. Listen, it was never intelligence. It was never our financial system. No, it was Almighty God that held all of this together. By God, America has consisted. We have been held together, and yet things are falling apart. Why? Because the Bible says the wicked shall be turned into hell. That means everything's going to fall apart, and all the nations that forget God. God's the glue that keeps it all together. Do you know why our homes are falling apart? It's not because we don't have enough money. It's not because we're not giving our kids enough toys. We're probably giving them too many toys. It's not because we're not going on enough vacations. The reason our homes are falling apart is the one thing that holds it all together is now missing, and that's why our homes resemble a valley of dry bones, because God's gone. The wicked shall be turned into hell, and all the nations and families and hearts that forget God. I see churches today that are valleys of dry bones. There is no life there. There is hopelessness there. There is dreariness and darkness there. Why? It's not because, listen, they didn't dress up enough. Listen, it's not because they didn't have enough money or their building was pretty enough. They're falling apart because the one thing that held them together is gone. Understand this this morning. We're seeing the destruction in this valley, and the destruction is because of one thing. I want to show you how I know that. Let's go back to the word of God. Verse number six, watch what God says he's going to give them. And I will lay sinews upon you. Do you know what sinews are? They're ligaments and tendons. Do you know what keeps our bones together? There's ligaments and tendons in there, sinews. God says, watch this, I'm the only one that can give you what's going to hold it all together. Without God, listen, we have no ligaments, we have no sinews, we have no tendons. You see those basketball players, I think they're worth 200, 300 million dollars, and all of a sudden, uh, they tear an Achilles tendon, all right? Or they tear their ACL in their knee, and all of a sudden, they are sidelined. Some of them, their career is over. Why? you got to have them things, all right? I'm not a doctor, but I kind of think those are necessary to get along with daily life. you got to have an ACL. you got to have that, that Achilles uh, tendon that is there. But without them, nothing holds together. And they lose their worth. Can I tell you, that's who God is in us. He's what holds all the bones together. And when God's, listen, not here, everything seemingly falls apart. Genesis chapter 2, we see God forming Adam out of the dust of the ground. And can I tell you, Adam would have remained just a clump of dirt had it not been for God. Now, folks, he may have been a good-looking clump of dirt, 
He may have listened, had all the detail in his eyes. Have you ever seen an artist who could just sculpt and it just looked so lifelike? You ever been to one of those wax museums? And you see those people, and boy, they just look just like the real thing, and yet they stand there day after day. They never accomplish anything. Do you know why? There's no life there. Life comes from God. Without God, listen, Adam would have been just a hunk of clay there. Now, look, he may have been a hunk of a hunk of clay, but he, look, all he was was good-looking dirt. Why? Because without God, there's no life. And I think about how often, man, we make ourselves out to be some good-looking hunks of dirt. Man, we get it looking good and smelling good and talking good. But I'll tell you something. The reason America's in the trouble it's in today is because we're a nation without God. And we can look good and talk good and act good and have all the great things that, that a world thinks that a country needs. But without God, everything's going to fall apart. Oftentimes in counseling, and look, folks, I have trouble in my marriage from time to time simply because my wife doesn't think my ideas are all good. One day she's going to come around, but until then, some time, from time to time, my wife and I will have problems. Folks will come in the office. They'll say, look, look, we got problems. You know what? We've got anger management issues. We've got money issues, personality differences. we just got all these problems. But can I tell you the number one problem most marriages that have problems is it's not what they have. It's what they're missing. Say, boy, we just got problems and our marriage is failing and there's, it's just hopeless and it's dark and it's drear. Look, it's not because of what you got. We got anger management issues. You know, we got personality difference. It's not what you got. It's what you're missing. Oftentimes, the reason our homes are falling apart is because we're missing the one thing that holds it all together, and that's God. That's why we have so much destruction in the home, and the hearts of our children, even our churches. I fear even some churches today have evicted God. When things start falling apart, can I give you some advice today based on the word of God? You ought to ask the question, where's God? When things start falling apart, when your home starts losing an arm, your home starts losing a leg or a foot, it seems like everything's falling apart. You ought to ask your question, where's God? Because God can hold it all together. I heard a story years ago about two little boys went to a Christian school and, man, they just were unruly. We don't have any kids like that, brother. He told me at our school, our kids are perfect. Thank God for perfect kids. Man, the back-talking the teacher wasn't doing their homework, you know, uh, just, you know, rivaling other kids, talking about things they shouldn't be talking about, singing about things they shouldn't be singing about. And finally, the principal called him to the office and says, look, I am just convinced that you guys need God in your life. So the principal looks at the boys and says, she brings one at a time. She says, okay, I want to ask you first, where's God in your life? I hear, I hear the things you're talking about. I see the way you act, the things you're doing, the way you treat other people. Where's God? And she just kept asking him, where's God? Can't find him anywhere in your life. Where's God? And the boy just sat there not knowing what to say. Finally, she says, look, send the other guy in. So he starts walking out. On the way out the door, the boy asks him, he says, what was that all about? The boy looked over at him. He says, listen, I'm not sure what's happening. But somehow, some way, God is missing, and they're trying to pin it on us. <laughs> now, folks, I want you to know something. God's not lost. God knows exactly where he's at, but I'm afraid it is our fault that God is missing. God is missing in our homes. God is missing in our nation. God is missing in our churches oftentimes. God is missing in our hearts. And look, we're the ones that need to be pinned on. Listen, we're the ones who have evicted God. It was because of their sin. Listen, God and sin cannot cohabitate. We've got to understand that, all right? As soon as you start bringing in all of that stuff in your life, God is leaving. Remember when they brought the Ark of the Covenant into the temple there of Dagon? 
a big old statue of Dagon there, and they brought the ark of God. They woke up the next morning, that big old statue had fallen over. Why? God's not going to coexist with sin. And as soon as we started packing in sin by the U-Haul load in America, God is gone. And then things start falling apart. Why? Because the one thing that held us all together is gone. Verse 6 shows us that. He says, I will give you sinews upon you. I will bring flesh upon you. It's only God that can do that. Now you look at 2021, the year that we're living in, sin is rampant. Sin has come out of the closet, out from under the bed, and out from under every rock that it could come out of. And we see the way that sin is just tearing our country down, and I think it ought to break your heart. You shouldn't revel in glory in the fact that this once great nation is slowly crumbling in moral decay. Here's what I want you to understand. We're seeing what sin is doing, but do you understand this? Sin can only function in the absence of God. Now let that sink in. Sin can only function in the absence of God. It's a lot like darkness. Darkness can only function in the absence of light. Now, I know some of you are probably scared of the dark, so I'm not going to turn the lights off in here this morning. But if we turn the lights off in here, all of a sudden, everything will become dark. But that darkness is being held at bay by the light. And the only way that the darkness can come in here is that the lightness goes out of here, all right? And so if you don't like the darkness, then keep the light on the inside. If we don't like what sin's doing, then we've got to put something on the inside that holds it at bay, and that's the very presence of God. You start bringing sin in, then God is exiting. And we see this valley here of hopelessness, defeat, grief, and fear. And can I tell you where all those things come from? Hopelessness, defeat, Grief, fear, those are all things that fill the void that is left by God. Look at our country today. We're scared to death. We live in fear. What's the economy going to do? What are the politicians going to do? You wouldn't have to live in fear. Fear is going to fill that void where God was. Uncertainty is going to fill that void where God was. Doubt's going to fill that void where God was. And now we're left with this situation where not only are they dead, but they're beyond dead. They're a valley of very dry bones. I've showed you this picture before. We have a lot of new people since then, so I feel like I need to show it to you again years ago. Years ago, we were at the New York, uh, the Natural History Museum in New York City and uh, saw a mammoth that was there. And I told my wife, I would love like a, a great grand puzzle to put one of those together. And so uh, I had a bobcat in the freezer that I had killed. And uh, I said, I'm going to do it with a bobcat. And so I boiled his bones down. I know that sounds gross, but I just felt like doing it. So I just boiled it down and started putting it back together. We have that picture back there, guys. Uh, there's my cat. That was in my office in Louisiana. I used to tell missionaries when they would come in, they would say, what is that? I said, well, that is my pet cat, Tango, that died. I couldn't afford to get him taxidermied, so I just put his bones up there. They wanted us to take them on for support, and so they just stared at me like, I'm not sure if I'm supposed to laugh or not. <laughs> so I took each and every one of those bones. It took me six weeks to do that. I'm going to be moving him to the office soon. He suffered some damage in the move, and he's at home right now. He's got a couple of broken legs, and uh, he's a little down in the mouth, but we're going to fix that before too long. It took me six weeks to put that cat back together. I always joke when I tell the story that... Uh, you have so much more appreciation for a God who created the earth in six days, and I couldn't put a cat back together in six weeks. I got all those bones, and I put them together one by one. I drilled each one of them, put them back together, drilled them, put it back together. I mean, it was a labor, labor. I'm not going to say of love. It was just of pride, I guess, to show my wife that I could do it. I got it all back together, and it looked pretty good. It looked pretty good. I want you to know that cat hadn't meowed the first time. 
He ain't scared off the first mouse. He just sits up there. You know why? Because he's missing the one thing that matters. Life. That's all he is. Now, folks, that's all you and I are. Without God, listen, we may be striking the right pose. We may sound right, look right, smell right. But without God, all we are is bones. That's it. That's all your home is. Your home is just a pile of bones without God. This nation is a pile of bones without God. Why? Because we're missing the only thing God can give, and that is life. So number one, notice, if you will, the destruction in the valley. That's the bad news. Let's look at the good news. Verse 2, the Bible says, He caused me to pass by them round about, and behold, there were many in the open valley, and lo, they were very dry. Then verse 3 says something wonderful begins to take place. And he said unto me, Son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, O Lord God, thou knowest. Now something very needed is taking place in verse number three. God is having a conversation about their situation. I'll be honest with you. If I was God and they had done this to themselves, which they had, watch this, sin. When you choose to sin, it's always self-inflicted. But I'm so thankful, listen, that I serve a God that even in times of self-inflicted valleys, he's willing to have a conversation with me about my situation. Now, watch this. This is very important. The second step on the road to restoration. Notice in verse number three, the discussion in the valley. God's having a discussion about the state that they're in. Now, this is wonderful because the world we're living in, we, we're living in what's known as a cancel culture, right? Right? What is cancel culture? It's where when you disagree with somebody or they disagree with you or you do something that displeases them or they do something that displeases you or you have a difference about you or they have a difference about them that you can just cut them off, right? I don't like you because of what you said, so I'm just going to cut you off. I'm so thankful that I serve a God that even in the valleys that are self-inflicted, that at least in the space of grace, he's willing to have a conversation with me. By the way, this is why you shouldn't run from God. Oftentimes, we get ourselves caught in that valley, listen, that place of desperation and desolation, and we're sitting hopelessly waiting on something to come help us, and yet the Holy Spirit of God tries to convict us, and we don't want to hear it. God was having a discussion with his people. Why? He wanted to restore them. Now, folks, I don't know what valley you may be in this morning. I have no idea, but I know all of us go through them. And I know collectively as a nation, we've been in one for about a year, almost going on a year and a half. As we go through this valley, Holy Spirit of God, I am sure, has knocked upon your heart's door. Do you know what he's wanting? He's wanting to have a discussion with you. It's like, I know. Boy, when God knocks on the door, I don't want to answer. Why? Because I'm afraid of what he's going to tell me. Can I tell you the only reason God knocks on your door is for restoration? You say, well, I don't believe that. Because he's going to convict me about the way that I'm living. Yes, he is. Do you know why? Because he loves you and wants to restore you. Do you know the first time he knocked on my heart's door, I was a little kid. He showed me that I was lost. Would you have the audacity to believe that the Holy Spirit of God showed me that I was a sinner? I mean, who wants to hear that? Knock on your heart's door to let you know. Do you know why he showed me why I was a sinner? Because he wanted to show me he was the Savior. And before I could receive him as the Savior, I had to understand and, and accept that I was the sinner. All right? He wanted to restore me to a right relationship with him. Listen, I'm thankful to be able to report to you today that we serve a God that still visits in the valleys. And he wants to have a discussion with you. 
in spite of your situation. I'm so thankful about the woman at the well. I love reading the story about her. Aren't you thankful? And I'm sure she's thankful that she heard his voice in her valley. Oh, she was in a valley. Listen, she'd been married five times, living with a guy that was not her husband then. Oh, she was in the valley of sin, and yet there was a loving Savior who wanted to have a discussion with her, who wanted to have a conversation with her. What was the conversation all about? Restoration. He wanted to restore her. Old Zacchaeus, an old tax thief. I think about Zacchaeus this time of year. All the time. Had to write that check out. And then I see how they spend it. It makes me even more mad. Think about old Zacchaeus. Boy, he was a tax collector and a cheat and a thief. And yet, Jesus looks up to the tree and begins a conversation with him. Why? Restoration. He wanted to restore him. You know, you don't have to wait until you get to the valley to have a conversation with God. But the valley is a great place to begin one. How many people, listen, I'm hard-headed. Ask my wife. I am hard-headed. And oftentimes, I'm going to do things my way, even if it's the long way around, going to cost me more money and get me hurt in the process, just so that I can do it my way. How often does the Holy Spirit of God, he tries to direct us, to begin to, that's the wrong way, that's going to get you hurt, that's going to cost you sin when it is finished, bring us forth death, and we just refuse to have the conversation. Nope, 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 I'm not going to hear it. And yet we get to this valley where everything's falling apart. The bones are just about all that's left. And finally, we would do what David did in Psalms 40. What does the Bible say? I waited patiently for the Lord. And he inclined unto me and heard my cry. He brought me up also out of an horrible pit, out of the miry clay, and set my feet upon a rock. Can I ask you a quick question? Where was David at when he called out to God? The Bible says, he heard my cry. He brought me up also out of a horrible pit. David cried out to God from the valley. I want you to know, look, sometimes I would be in a place, our school gym is one of them where this thing doesn't work. I love going to the gym. If you can't figure it out, ask your wife and she'll help you understand that. I love going to the gym. Why? Because I have no reception there. The only people that can get a hold of me are people that see me. And I try to put on glasses and a hat where I'm in disguise or maybe a whole lot of folks won't even recognize me. Oftentimes we get in places in life where our phones don't have good reception. But it's amazing how good spiritual reception you have in valleys. Oh, the connection with God is what it ought to be. He's listening intently. Why? Because in that valley, we realize how hopeless we are without God. We're just that old pile of bones. There was a lady once, she was in a shopping center getting some uh, groceries. Got a phone call from the school that her kid was sick and she needed to come pick him up real quick. The kid had taken very, very ill. So she just leaves her cart there in the grocery store and runs out to her car. When she gets to her car, she's digging through her purse and realizes she had locked her keys in her car. She's digging through her purse, trying to find something to pop the lock. She tries another key to jiggle the lock. It's just not working. She pulls on the handle, pulls on the handle. She tries to call for help. None of her friends are answering their phone. Evidently, they were in the gym too uh, because she can't get a hold of them. And finally, she just sits down and begins to cry. And something says, well, why don't you pray and ask God for help? It's amazing what you can find out if you just take the time to have that discussion with God. So she sits down on the curb. She begins to praise and says, I feel so foolish. I'm praying and ask God to help me get in my car so I can get home and help my kid. And God, if if you're listening, can you help me get in my car so I can go and get my kid who is sick? And about two minutes later, gal, this motorcycle pulls up, big long beard, the leather jacket and all that pulls up and parks behind her. She's scared to death. 
She says, sir, I normally wouldn't just talk to strangers, but I got to get to my kid, and I don't know how to get in my car, and could you help me? The guy says, absolutely. He goes over to his bag, and he pulls out this long, slender piece of metal, shimmies it down the lock, pops the lock, gets in the car. She gives him a big hug, and she says, sir, you're my angel. He says, oh, no, no, ma'am. He says, I'm not your angel. As a matter of fact, last week, I just got out of prison for car theft. <laughs> the woman gave him a big hug, and she says, oh, Lord, thank you so much. Not only did you send me what, my need, what I needed, but you sent me a professional. <laughs> All because she stopped to have a discussion with God. A lot of us are sitting out of a locked car in our life today. Our homes are locked out. Our kids are locked out. Our nation's locked out. And we're just sitting there trying to figure out how we get back in the car. And God says, hey, I'm trying to have a discussion with you. I've been knocking on your heart's door for a while. You've been sitting on that curb crying for a while. Why don't you have a discussion with me? Because I just might be able to restore you to what you're looking for. Isn't that what Jeremiah 33.3 says? Call unto me. And I will answer thee and show you great and mighty things thou knowest not. Oh, how many things in the past year have we not known? God, what are we going to do? God, how are we going to have church and parking lot and all these things? God, how are we going to make all of this work? God says, look, you don't have to make it work. I'll make it work. You just stay in touch with me. But watch this. I want you to see something. There's something beautiful here. Verse 3 says this, and he said unto me. Notice it was God was the one who initiated this conversation. God initiated this conversation. You know why? Because he wanted to work. God wanted to work. God wanted to restore them. He loved them. He was the one who had called them. He was the one who had said his name there. God wanted to restore his people, and he was trying to have a conversation with them about exactly how they could have that restoration. Makes you wonder sometimes why we run from God. John 12, 32, he said, If I be lifted up from the earth, I will draw all men unto me. He said, if I be lifted up from the earth, signifying how he would die, the scripture says, he would draw all men unto him. What does that mean? It means every single human being. God's going to have the conversation with her, try to at least once. There's not a person in hell this morning, and there are people in hell this morning, as horrific of a thought as that is. There's not a person in hell this morning that God didn't try to have the conversation with. He'd call out to them, look, without me, you're dead the Bible says, listen, without Christ, we are dead and our trespasses and sins. What does that mean? We're just a pile of bones without God. And God, in his loving kindness and his mercy, sent his only begotten son to live and to die and to rise again that we could be saved. And then he draws us to him. He calls to us. I want to tell you, they give him a run for his money. Those uh, folks who are trying to help me with my student loans and uh, that car insurance and warranty running out. But I'll tell you, you're not going to beat the Holy Spirit. He's going to draw you and draw you and draw you and call out to you and call out to you. But you've got to decide to have the conversation. It says, and he said unto me, son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, O Lord, thou knowest. Now, this is important. God asking can these bones live? Now, anytime God asks a question, he's not asking for his good. Can we agree with that? All right, God's not asking a question because he doesn't know the answer. He's asking the question, trying to get us to understand the answer. My wife does that to me all the time. What's the speed limit here? She's so sweet. She doesn't want to tell me we're going too fast and we're going to have to spend vacation money on a ticket if you don't slow down. 
Honey, what's the speed limit here? She knows what the speed limit is. She'll say, is it garbage day? Who knows? I don't know what day that is. No, it's Tuesday. She knows the answer to that. She's trying to get me to get the right answer to that, okay? So when God says here, can these bones live? Do you know what he's doing? He's trying to get Ezekiel to see just how hopeless they are without God. He says, look at it, Ezekiel. They're dead. They're dry. You know what Ezekiel says? Watch this. Thou knowest. Ezekiel comes to the conclusion. Only you have an answer to this. I can't answer it. I want to tell you something this morning. There's a lot of questions in life that you have no answer for that God does. Ezekiel says, thou knowest, you've got it. Finally, Ezekiel's locked in on him and on behalf of the people about to get the answer they need. That's why Jeremiah 18.6, the Bible says this, and that, that account of the potter, listen close, O house of Israel, cannot I do with you as this potter? Do you remember the, the vessel that was on the wheels? The Bible says it was marred. It was broken. Or could we say falling apart? It's falling apart. And what did God say to Jeremiah in verse 6? O house of Israel, cannot I do with you as this potter, saith the Lord? Behold, as the clay is in the potter's hand, so are ye in my hand. God can make it anew. God can take a broken vessel and fashion it new for his use and for his glory. Look at the apostle Paul. Oh, my goodness, a Christian killer, and then he went on to be the, the greatest preacher next to Christ that ever walked the planet. Why? Because God can. What did he say? Can these bones live? If God has anything to do with it, he can. I don't know what America's future is, but I know if God so chose, he could restore us if we'd be obedient to what he's outlined in his word for us. So number two, notice the discussion in the valley, and we're going to hurry. Verse 4. The Bible says, and he said unto me, prophesy upon these bones. Say unto them, O ye dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Now, this sounds a little bit futile, doesn't it? I want you to go prophesy or preach or speak to these bones, but he's going to have to be obedient to find out what God wants to do. Notice the end of verse number four. O ye dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Not only is God having a discussion in the valley, number three, notice he's giving direction in the valley. He says, here's what you need to do. He says, things are falling apart, aren't they? Yep, they're just dry bones. Nothing's holding them together anymore. It's all falling apart. It's hopeless. It's lifeless. It's futile. He says, okay, here's what you need to do. The Bible says, hear the word of the Lord. You know, regardless of how hopeless a situation may seem, God knows the way to bring restoration. God knew the answer to bring restoration from ruin. Now, here's what's beautiful. The remedy for their ruin would come from receiving his word. The remedy for the ruin that they had was going to be a result of them receiving his word. And can I tell you this morning, nothing's changed. The remedy for our ruin is the same remedy in verse number four that we receive his word. Now, here's a beautiful picture, and I'm going to hurry. If you'll notice back in verse number one, the Bible says, the hand of the Lord was upon me and carried me out in what? The spirit of the Lord. And then the Bible says in verse number four, to hear the word of the Lord. Here's what's beautiful. The word of the Lord has the remedy for what the spirit of the Lord has revealed. 
Now stick with me, all right? I want you to see that. The word of the Lord has the remedy for what the spirit of the Lord has revealed. Now, I remember when I got saved, the spirit of God began tugging in my heart. I didn't know what was going on. I didn't know if it was heartburn. I didn't know what it was, but I knew something was going on in there. What was happening? The spirit was drawing. But I didn't know exactly what was going on. And so I remember going talking to my mom, and my mom took me to talk to the preacher. We talked to the preacher a little while. You know what he did? Took out the word of God. Watch. The word of God gave clarity on what the spirit of God had revealed. This is our answer this morning, folks. Oftentimes, our homes are falling apart. Our nation's falling apart. Our lives are falling apart. And the Holy Spirit is drawing us to what the word wants to reveal to us. But as long as we reject the word of the Lord and don't receive, or what does it say in verse 4? Hear the word of the Lord, then guess what? We're not going to have the remedy. John 6, what did it say? No man can come up to me except the Father which has sent me draw him. How does he draw us? Through the Holy Spirit. But then keep reading in Romans 10, 17. The Bible says, faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So the Spirit draws you to the clarity that only the word of God can give. What does that mean? I know you're going to hate to hear this. It means there is no restoration outside of the word of God. You can't cheat. There's no restoration for your home. I've had people tell me before, literally tell me before, I don't want an answer if it includes the Bible. I've had people tell me that before. I don't want an answer if it includes the Bible. Well, then I don't have any answers. Do you know why? Because only thou knowest. He's got the only answer. And the answer is going to come from receiving his word. I read an interesting story just this week about a place in the North Sea at Firth of Scotland. And right off the coast there at Firth, there is this rock that when the tide is high, it covers it up and you can't see it. But it's a very dangerous rock because it's right near a shipping channel. And one of the preachers that were there saw all of the shipwrecks that happened because that rock was there, but you couldn't see it when the tide was high. And so he goes out there and he plants a large brass bell on that rock that would ring and let sailors know exactly where it was. And for years and years and years, there were no shipwrecks. Why? Because the bell let them know where the trouble spots were. There's a pirate comes along one day and sees that brass bell and decides, you know what, he could get a few dollars out of that brass bell. And so he goes and he takes the brass bell and he goes and he sells it just for the weight of the metal and the weight of the brass that was there. A year later, that same pirate is making a getaway from one of the fleets that were chasing him because of his crimes. And that same sailor wrecked upon that rock at Firth and all of his crew was lost. Now I want you to think about this. As long as that bell was there toiling for them, it showed them exactly what they needed to do and what they didn't need to do, and they were safe. But as soon as the bell was gone, there was nothing there to give them the direction they needed, that's when the shipwreck occurred. Now, do you know what we do in our life? This is the bell. This is the bell. This is what we need to give us direction to keep us off the rocks, to keep our family safe. Watch this. To hold everything together but as soon as you start ignoring the bell, as soon as you start ignoring the drawing of the Spirit and the Word of God in your life, don't be surprised if everything doesn't fall apart and you lose all of your crew, your home and your family and even our nation. That's why Psalms 119.9, the Bible says, Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way by taking heed thereto according to thy word. The Spirit's going to draw you and lead you is verse 1, but sooner or later you're going to have to hear and receive the Word of God. 
or else what's going to happen? Everything's going to fall apart. Finally, I'm going to give you four, and this is the last thing in way of invitation this morning. If you look down, the Bible says in verse 5, Thus saith the Lord God unto these bones, Behold, I will cause breath to enter into you, and ye shall live. I want you to notice number four this morning. There's a declaration in the valley. God declares that ye shall live. Can I tell you today that that's God's desire for each and every person here? That ye shall live live. Can I tell you what God's will is for your home? That it shall live. Can I tell you what God's desire is for our teenagers, for our church, and yes, God's desire even for our country today is that we shall live. Wasn't that part of Christ's mission statement in John 10, 10? I've come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. That's God's desire for us. The reason the Spirit is drawing us and the word of God is directing us is because he wants to give us life. But here's the sad truth, and we're going to close. Life and freedom are something you've got to choose for yourself. You have to choose that. You have to choose that you're going to be drawn and led by the Spirit and that you're going to hear the word so that you could have what? That ye might live. I don't know what America is going to do this morning. America may fall, but you can live. All the other homes in America may collapse and implode, but you can live. Why? Because we serve a God that still visits the valleys. And no matter how hopeless it may seem, watch this. The very same God of heaven wants to have a discussion with you. If he's knocking on your heart's door this morning, number one, it's either because you're lost and need to be saved, answer the door. Number two, if you're already saved here this morning, perhaps there's something in your life that he wants to restore. Maybe it's life or life more abundantly. But could I encourage you to have the conversation with God? Why? Because through that conversation, you're going to get direction. There's a lot of us today, well, we're not sure exactly what the future holds. What's our country going to do? What's our state going to do? What are we going to do with our families and our children, our homes and our church? A lot of decisions to make, but can I tell you something? He's got all the answers, thou knowest. God, is America going to live again? I don't know, but he does. And if we, as his people, would just be led of his spirit and receive his word, we could find that restoration, at least in our hearts and in our homes this morning. Our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed. Let's stand together. Let's stand together. I want to ask you a question before we have our invitation today. Do you want to live? Do you want to live Do you want to have a restored heart and a restored home? Listen, God is still in the restoration business. Notice, why was there devastation? There was devastation because of what was missing was the one thing that held it all together. That was God. Is that why your home's falling apart? Is that why your heart is falling apart? Is that why our children are falling apart? It's because we can't ask the question, where's God? God's the only thing that's going to hold this thing together. This morning, look at the devastation and the destruction. Is it because God's not there? This morning, have the discussion with God. Get direction from God so that you might have that declaration from God that ye shall live. Heavenly Father, thank you this morning for your word, and I'm so thankful 
that you're a God that still visits the valleys. Even when we're down and out and we're hopeless and it seems, Father, that any effort on our part is futile. Father, help us to see that, Lord, through this wonderful illustration, Lord, you have preserved for us in your word, that, Lord, you can take those dry bones and, Lord, you can pull them all back together and you can breathe life into it again. There can be life, Lord, this morning for the lost. There can be life for the saved who've drifted from you. There can be life for our homes this morning, Father, if we're just willing to be led of your spirit. Have that discussion. Get that direction, Lord, that we might live. I pray, Lord, your will be done in this service today, and I pray the lost would be saved, for it's in Jesus' name. Amen. Our heads.